is Notorious P.O.D. The name's John Bass on this M.I.C. I brought a couple man alongside of me. I got Gary Roy Smith in the place to boot. We got murder stats and guests galore. You know we're talking real hip-hop folklore. And we're gonna cover all the goddamn classics. Notorious P.O.D. We're gonna smash it. Peace! Hello and welcome to Notorious POD. I am your host, John Bass. This week, I'm joined by Below the Belt's best ever host, self-confessed hoarder, beef DVD connoisseur, Kalkai Dawes, hop in this bitch! <laughs> oh, thank you. That's such a wonderful introduction. I'm Mate, so pleased. You know that I'm trying to make these as long as yeah. possible and as like convoluted as possible. It's so. like a like a, like a a boxing MC. Yeah. There we'll go, the five-time undefeated heavyweight champion of this, or oh, this many weight divisions. They exactly. proper long it out. And they'll say the word like introducing, introducing yeah. like three, four times. Yeah, I'm trying to be like the Michael Buffer of hip hop. Just don't be like Michael Buffer. Be like Jimmy, Jimmy Lennon Jr. He's much better. Done. There we go. Simple. How are you, mate? You good? Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, it is so hot outside. Yeah. We're recording this on one of the hottest days on record. Yeah, it's like 35 degrees outside. Yeah. But we are sitting in an air-conditioned office right we now. Are. We are. We are in what a setup you've got. It's nice, isn't it? We're Congrats. in K- Kiki's head office, yeah. which is our new partner. So we Wonderful. are now partnered with Kiki. It's a streaming service. Excellent. Uh, you can get DJ mixes, podcasts, but it's all centered around music. Wonderful. Uh, it's going to be launching in September, and we're one of the first podcasts. Excellent. So, I yeah. feel like 30% responsible for this Yeah. because of the numbers I put on the board last to, time out. To be fair, <laughs> so last time we saw each other, we were at the pub for the Fighting Cock Social. Yeah. And um, we'd, we'd had a few jars and we were discussing your appearance on the pod. And I said to you then, I was like, your pod's done numbers, mate. It's done numbers. Do you know what? You've overtaken Thelonious. Yes! Yes! You've overtaken him, mate. Suck your mum tea. There's only two other pods that are higher than you. One is the first ever episode, which of, always gets numbers. One is this Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers. Yep. One is the first one. So when people, new listeners, they start with the first one, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Yep. Second is uh, Tupac, Me Against the World. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because that's kind of like in the middle of, of it. But I guess like people probably look and were like, okay, do the first one. Who else do we like? It's like Park and Biggie. Yep. But you've now dropped into the top three, mate. Champions Bron- currently bronze medal Champions League places <laughs> nice. which is great news but that episode um, was really good I enjoyed doing it and I think we said at the time like let's have you back so I'm glad that you're back in the studio oh, thank mate. you so much I'm so pleased to be back I no. guess to talk about boxing like all the time yeah. and it's great and I love talking about it but to talk about hip hop which is like easily one of close to one of my best passion like one of my passions in life is, is rap and hip hop sure. as a culture so, and yeah, to absolutely. be honest I, I was thinking about it I was thinking why is this so popular and it kind of like unlocked uh, something in my head which is that sort of period of hip hop and that period of my life was such like a ha- like happy memories because right. that, that whole era so we're kind of roughly the same age I'm 33, mm. 34 this year like that was when that album was out that was kind of when I was first like my mates started having cars and like you started going out for the first time and you started to kind of, I don't know, kind of move into becoming like a young man. I think for me, I was really boring as a young man. <laughs> like I was proper yeah. boring. Um, but it was, I had a job and I had money. Yeah. And I could go to Poland Street. I don't know if you remember Poland Street and that massive HMV at yeah. Oxford Circus. And they had everything. And then you went across the road to Poland Street. There was Mr. Bongo's vinyl shop. Then you walked around the corner and there was Mr. CD, Sister Ray, Reckless Records. There was all these great CD shops. So because I was so boring and I wasn't going out <laughs> getting loads of ladies and drinking yeah. loads, I was just buying music. And so like like yourself, it, it, it 
brings back a lot of memories. Yeah, and it oh, kind of just got me thinking. Like there are other albums, and one of them is is Games Documentary, which is why I'm glad that we're back talking about that. Mm. Um, like that that just era of kind of even the sort of producers that were working. So obviously Dre mm-hmm. is like making beats for other people that are just kind of like bangers in the club. You got like the kind of emergence of Kanye. You've got Timberland's kind of like second generation of like beats and stuff like that. You got a lot of uh, and like uh, Pharrell and obviously like Neptune's and stuff, what they were doing. So you had a lot of producers that were making like club friendly hip hop, mm. but it wasn't like it is to a certain extent now where it's kind of like a little bit, you can get to a point where it's just about the instrumental, not so mm. much about the lyrics. It was kind of, they're still great songs. And I think we spoke about that last time on the last pod. It's like great songs just kind of last forever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of exciting that we're talking about the documentary. So mate, thank you so much for coming back. Um, you did also say last time you're going to bring the beef DVDs. Talk to me. Here they are. Holy shit. Yeah. So oh, shit. I've got, I forgot. I actually forgot that there was a beef volume four. <laughs> so for the people at home that obviously can't see these DVDs, yeah. they were documentaries produced by Quincy, Quincy Jones III. And he brought out a lot of documentaries about rap beef. He ended up making four volumes of it. I forgot oh. all about the fourth one. I remembered one, two and three. And most of these things do come in threes. But I forgot all about the fourth one. The first so one's good. the best. I mean, the first one, so just to like to kind of give you an idea of what I'm looking at, you've basically just got beef in big red <laughs> letters. And then you've kind of got like um, like classic hip hop stuff, like the pictures of the people involved kind of like superimposed up over each other oh, yeah. and like round the word beef. You've got 50 in the middle, and you've got Dre, Nas, Big, Ja Rule, uh, Prodigy, Havoc, DMX, uh, Park, and Jay. Yeah. Uh, it's like this is so great. What I like about it as well is like DVD special features. Nate Dog golf club incident uncut. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> and he proper swings that club. There was an incident. I don't know. I think it was with Bone Thugs so and Harmony. I think they had a beef. I think it was right. Death Row and Bone Thugs because I think the Ruthless Records beef with Death Row. And I think it was at they were at a charity kind of game. Yeah. A charity pro am tournament and the roof the Ruthless Records people bumped into the Death Row people <laughs> and Nate Dog decided to swing on one of them with a nine iron. And it's a great video because so he proper good. cracks him with it as well. That's the thing, it's like you, you kind of think of Nate Dog because like all these like amazing like harmonies and like and melodies and stuff from his records you kind of think of him as being a little bit soft but the guy was a straight up gangster he was straight up yeah he was I like that my second favourite thing is um, Beef Volume 1 is narrated by Ving Rhames yes and then they they go through sort of like different commentators so you've got uh, Keith David narrates 2 DJ K Slay and then the last one is narrated by uh, Charlie Murphy R.I.P. oh okay I like that so they changed up the the narration but I like that they went kind of like high value yeah because I thought like as they go on, like the first couple of the best ones, and then yeah. it really starts to drop off in quality after that. Why do you think that is? Is just because less like interesting stuff to talk about? They yeah, I think so. Because in volume one, they they pack a lot of the the, the high famous ones. You yeah. know, Fifty Cent and Ja Rule, Nas and Jay Z, Biggie and Tupac, Death Row, like, all the kind of yeah. really good ones. And then the as you go along, you're having to do things that are current. Like I remember one of the episodes, I think it's, I don't know if it's number two or number three, where they talk about Nelly versus KRS-One. And it's like, I don't care. Yeah, that is a bit scraping the barrel, isn't it? Yeah, and but they start to talk about like the different rules and what's fair and what's not and stuff like that. Um, I wanted to ask you a question, actually, because last night when I was kind of like digging through my DVs to find these, what's your like favorite hip hop? 
documentary slash film that's come out? Great question. Um, I, I've spoken about it a few times, and every time I like mention it, I always think, okay, maybe I should like think of some other stuff to say. But it's genuinely the best documentary that I've seen is the Stretch and Bobito yeah. radio that changed lives. That is so. For, for those that don't know, haven't heard me talk about it before. It's basically. Um, Stretch and Bobito had a radio show, mm-hmm. and DJ Stretch Armstrong, and then Bobito, sometimes goes by Cool Bob Love. Um, basically, they were young guys who grew up in New York from very different backgrounds, like Stretch is from a kind of like Jewish-American background, yeah. Bobito's kind of like a South American like uh, family background. And they kind of, they were on the intersection between the kind of working class and the middle class families where they met in New York. Yeah. And they ended up going to the same school together because Stretch's parents were like, you're going to go to school with the poor kids and get a real education, like see what life's all about. And he was like, no, don't send me there, don't send me there. And he ended up meeting Bob there. They become friends and then kind of the emergence of hip hop kind of takes like hold in New York. And so they're like, well, look, let's, let's do a radio show. So they, they try to kind of take it to a number of different places. No one wanted to know. And they finally found someone that was like a college radio station. So they had a set up there. They could like like broadcast into New York at night. But the only slot that would basically take them was like one in the morning till four in the morning, like a Tuesday night or something crazy like that. Yeah. And the documentary basically charts their beginnings as like people and then documents basically the rise of the Stretch and Bobito show. I, w- I hadn't seen it until listening to, I think it was your episode with T, yeah. with Felonious Filth. And um, I'd never seen it. And I was like, well, let me find it. So I ended up finding a copy on eBay. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just bought it and it was good. It was a really, really good watch. The, the, the thing that's amazing about it and the thing that's like really drew me, drew me to it is because it's kind of like living history. Because, you know, a lot of the time you kind of see stuff and it's kind of like one album or it's you're talking about one artist. This is literally like kind of charting them, but like con- concurrently is like hip hop's history moving with them. Mm. So like they're basically like promoting people like Mob Deep before Mob Deep had a label. They're like promoting people like Wu Tang before Wu Tang had a label. Biggie, like Nas, Big L, Big Pun, like name someone in hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were broken on that show. And I think it's like if you take all of the artists that were basically promoted by Stretch and Bobito show and add up their record sales, like obviously you've got Jay Z in the mix as well. You're talking like over half a like it's like 500 million records sold mm. based off the back of artists that they promoted and pushed on their show. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah it was a really good documentary, and it was kind of good to just see, like you said, it documents the history of hip hop because it got to. I think they got to the 2000s, didn't they? Yeah. And they started to have a little fallout. And yeah, exactly. Because of the direction of the show. But the direction of the music was changing. Exactly. And you see we're reflecting a documentary. Don't want to spoil it for people because yeah. they should go out and see it. I think it's on like Amazon. You can watch it on yeah. Amazon or just do what I did. Go on eBay Buy and try it. to find a DVD. Because yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I still like to have the hard copies. I was, actually, I was digging through. I like obviously the beef one. Probably just the first one really. The second one was okay. But the beef one. Uh, Welcome to Death Row was really good yeah because uh, it tell it's not made by them it's independent and they've kind of looked into all the figures that were involved mm. i think it was a guy called La- not was it, i think it was lario and he was like a uh, coke coke kind of baron and he was one of the guys that kind of funded it at the start oh, and there was another kind of lawyer guy that was involved as well so welcome to death row is a really good one there was another one called backstage okay. i don't know if you ever saw no, that. Seen that uh so backstage was basically them it was oh, I've got one more actually uh, Backstage was basically a film following Rockefeller Rough Riders and I think Murder Inc on a tour oh wow so cool. they went and did a tour together so it's DMX Jay-Z Ja Rule Beanie Siegel, all these people out on tour 
Shit. And there's this great scene that I actually watched on YouTube the other day because I started thinking about it <laughs> randomly. They're just having a cipher. Oh, I think I've seen this. Is this where it's Jay-Z, DMX, and there's another guy who like, wears a yellow He's a security suit. guard. Yeah. So he's wearing like a, a burgundy blazer. Yeah. So he's it. dressed like a Las Vegas security guard. And he's just standing there just watching them. Yeah. And it's like DMX goes in, does a bit. Jay-Z does a bit. And then this... This security guard just walks in and drops bars. bars. Like he just smashes it. <laughs> he raps like Scarface. His yeah. flow, he's flowing like Scarface. And it's like, and you can see, but you know what the best thing about it is Jay-Z and DMX's <laughs> face. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, as much money as they make and as and as corporate as it gets, it was so pure. It was so yeah. pure just watching them going, this guy's got bars. And it goes back to the essence of why we love it because guys have got bars and they're just grinning their little faces and then they get <laughs> a little handshake and a little dap. You're getting a dap off like Jay-Z. And DMX. Like, like, DMX, like legendary guys of yeah. because you just spit some bars to them. That's like the dream of so many people. Of course. Mate, that is, that is literally like my, I often think about it. So I've been to New York a couple of times and I'm going back there in August. I often dream about just bumping into someone like Jigger or or whoever, Q-Tip, someone like that, and just going, oh yeah, I'll rap a little bit. And just yeah. like, just keeping some bars back yeah. in there and then just going, do you know what? You're right. Like, yeah. not going to sign you or anything, but respect yeah. you got bars. That's all, that's all yeah. anyone's looking for. That's it. Because it just goes back to it. it. Ain't about money. It's not about selling records yeah. or anything. It's just about, yeah, you're nice. Yeah, exactly. That's I all, that's no, all I should have done that when I bumped into Talib Kweli that time man, in exactly. New York. I should have spit some bars for him. Should have given some Al-Qaeda magic, man. That's it, man. No, he would have known. Next he time. would have known. Um, right, mate, let's get into the, the street report. Lots happening in the world of uh, kind of old hip-hop in a modern world. Okay. Uh, Nas, Lost Tapes 2 yeah. is out this week. A lot of, lot of interesting takes online. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you heard it yet? I have. What's your, what's your initial thoughts? I didn't like it. Yeah. I was just like, it just sounds like it was written outtakes. Yeah, mate, it, totally. It's not the, like, we love 90s rap and we love it because of the time period it happened and the age we were and all of that. But I don't want to hear 90s rap now. I don't want to hear you making 90s rap now. Yeah. And I don't want to hear you making third tier. Because it's stuff that you've just, it's called the Lost Tapes for a reason. It's yeah. stuff that he's made and it's, he's not put it out. I didn't enjoy it at all. That that for me is like is the interesting the, the whole kind of point about the lost tapes kind of concept that I just find amazing. Mm. It's like okay, uh, I made you this amazing meal. Yeah. Um, I gave you that yesterday. Tonight, here's all the shit ends <laughs> that I didn't use. Like here's the end of the cucumber it's with the awful. knob on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like why here's the chips I dropped on the floor? Yeah. Here's, up, here's like. all the burnt chips <laughs> yeah. that I had to throw away yesterday. Yeah. I thought actually no, thinking about it. I might as well just give them to you and then charge you money for it. Yeah, um, yeah I just, I find the concept unusual because it is basically saying this wasn't good enough when I was in my prime. So I just release it now for some easy win. I'm trying to think of like a time where a rapper has made something like that and I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, like Ice Cube did bootlegs and B-sides. Yeah. I don't remember anything off. There, I think there's probably one or two remixes on there that are okay. Yeah, Primo did um, that um, beats that were gathering dust. Right. Which were like kind of obviously ideas that weren't finished. Yeah. And again, like one or two decent ones on there. Yeah. But again, the reason that he didn't finish them because they didn't have quite enough yeah. about it. I don't know, man. I just feel like the concept is like, if you're, an, if you're a Nas stan and you're like mad about Nas and you just can't get enough, great. Like my, my view is this, is what's the harm in him putting it out and some people are enjoying it? That, that's my view. Like, yeah. I don't. I didn't really vibe of it. I thought the one track was it Queensbridge Politics, okay, which was basically like dedicated to Prodigy. I thought that was that was cool. So that's fairly new then. 
Yeah, I guess so. I guess that that must have been like maybe he missed it off of his like last, not the Kanye one, the one before that. Right. Maybe he missed it off that album. Yeah. But um, life is good. Yeah, life is good. I think he was still alive then, though. P wasn't he? I don't know then. Oh. It might have been off, like you said off the Kanye one, maybe. Maybe yeah, or maybe just because maybe he just track. took the bars off it and just put it over a different beat. Yeah, true. Because he wasn't vibing with the Kanye beat. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, true. Or maybe he just literally was just just made put it. a track out and then just, just didn't release it, it on there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I liked that, but aside from that, wasn't really feeling it. Um, also, uh, I don't know if we mentioned it last time or not, but Bandana. Um, yeah. There's sort of fallout from that album, which has been like this Gibbs versus MF Doom chat, which I think is such a weird thing. I know that they've obviously both worked with like uh, Madlib, it's mm-hmm. like Mad Villainy, and then obviously like Bandana and Pinata. And now there's like a lot of people basically just saying. Uh, <laughs> well, I think it's just a lazy comparison, which yeah. is like, who's the better? It's like, well, they're just different, aren't they're they? Diff- they are different. MF Doom's a little bit out there. Yeah. And Gibbs is like cocaine rap. Yeah. It's like, Gibbs, I love Gibbs. He's like one of my favorite rappers today. Like, I think he's great. Um, he put, a, he put a, um, a picture on Instagram the other day, him and Pusha T, yeah. best rappers alive. Yeah. And then the be- one of the best things about it was Black Fork commenting. I'm here too in spirit. <laughs> like, like you are absolutely in the conversation as For well. Sure. Like best rappers like currently today, yeah. Gibbs is in the conversation. For sure. I'd say like right now in terms of, because again, I think there's like a separate side. There's like people that make uh, like hits, like people like Future and Migos and all those. Like they're doing massive numbers. So you can't just go, oh, they're shit. Like they're, yeah. that music's not for me, right? But they have to be in the conversation. But I'd say like in terms of rappers, like people who can flow and have got, who are nice basically yeah. who would who would stand up in other eras yeah yeah i'd say gibbs uh, i'd say royce i think royce 59 is for me personally is the best right now yeah, royce is so nice he's so nice. so nice but i got really really angry at him at one point so he did the prime album mm. with dj premier then he did prime two yeah uh, and in the lead up to prime two he did a freestyle i'm doing the inverted commas sign people yeah he did a freestyle on i think it was on hot 97 yeah and it was super nice it was super cool I was like, oh yeah this is nice and then i bought then i listened to prime 2 and all the bars that were on the freestyle is on prime <laughs> 2 and i was just like i uh, can't listen to prime 2 anymore yeah because i've heard it all yeah like you've recycled them and it's like i don't know it happens all the time it, yeah, really, of course. it, it really annoyed me and i can't i didn't like prime two that much anymore because of it yeah i liked prime one and the book of ryan that royce did was so good it was one of my favorite albums as that's like almost like a concept album and like trying to get hip-hop to especially in the climate at the moment trying to get hip-hop to a place where it's like thought-provoking talking about battles with alcoholism and like growing up in a uh, house with abusive father like that's really deep shit and I, i still like thought that he connected really well I thought it was a really good album, actually. Yeah, there's Ryan. that skit with he's talking about his brother, yeah, protecting Ryan. Yeah, exactly. I love that. It's I amazing. love that. And he's it's just talking about because you don't know if he's having a dig at him or he's saying I still love you. I think it's a bit of both. I think it's a bit of both. And, sure. and, I, and I think I love it when rappers do that when they're really when they're hard and they give us that gulliness. But it's nice when they're vulnerable. It's nice when when they show a little bit of themselves. And that was where we were talking about 50 cent on the last on the on the last podcast yeah. that's where he fell down he never changed subject matter yeah it was just gulliness it yeah. was i'll shoot your mum i'll punch your nan i'll yeah. i sell coke i'll stab you whatever and it just got dull and tired yeah it gets too much you've got to show a bit of growth and you've got to show with a little bit of the real you because we can all identify with that yeah for definite I mean, we've got some listener questions that, that one of them alludes to that kind of concept which is kind of like longevity in, in hip-hop so we'll, we'll get to that mm-hmm. um okay so look um this week's episode is, is about the games documentary album. 
Um, now, I know the reason that we we kind of pitched it was because it came up kind of almost by accident when we were talking about game versus 50. But let's like park the 50 cent element of it. Okay. Just this album in its, on its own. What, why is this an album that you thought is worthy of coming on the show and talking about? So I, I don't know if I mentioned it the last time I was on, I, but going out, I was a West Coast guy. Yeah. So uh, I've got two stepbrothers. And when they first moved in, uh, moved into the family home, if you like, they used to listen to Warren G, yeah. uh, regulate G Funk era all the time. Yeah. And so I knew I was like 12. Like I was like 12 when that, I was 11 when that came out, 1994. So I was 11 years old. I was like, this is, this is cool. This is and that like Warren G, like he can't rap really. No. He's really basic. It's lots of lettering. He does yeah. loads of lettering from the D to the C to the, like yeah. loads of that. It's, it's basic. It's yeah, really it's basic, basic, but that album bangs. Like there is not a track you would skip on it. You would yeah. play, you could just play that whole album, put it on while you're, you know, drinking a cognac or something. And it's just such a nice album to listen to. Especially in this kind of weather where the sun's out. That's it. It's, a we it's West Coast weather yeah. today. Yeah, it is. So I got in, that got me into West Coast rap. And so when it was time to decide, oh, what, when I was leading up to in the last podcast with you, I was like, oh, I should have picked a West Coast album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then a football game, like Hurricane. Like, yeah. And so that was the thinking of it. It wasn't anything to do with G-Unit at all. It was more about being a West Coast album that I was old enough to remember when it came out. Yeah, and that's a good shout. And to be honest, it's one of those weird ones where like for me, it was kind of like, like I said, uh, I was never into The Chronic. I had 2001 first, right? So it was kind of a weird thing for me. And then uh, kind of, around the era of was like 50 and stuff like that. And then when the game came out, I kind of like the concept of like East and West kind of like really came back into focus. Yeah. And I was kind of like, oh yeah, this, this does sound different to 50. It does sound different to kind of like the East Coast side of things. And uh, it was it was a really refreshing change. And like the game really did kind of like blow into the scene out of nowhere and just kind of become massive. Album was massive, singles were massive. Like it was a great time. Um, right, so before we get into it in full detail, we are going to get into the murder stats uh, for games uh, documentary album. For those of you that don't know, this is where we give you all the important stats and facts on the album. I'm going to pass you over to the main man, DJ Ricky Rick. Yes, done, done. Uh, and then we'll come back and we're going to get into this album in some detail. Peace. Hey guys, this is DJ Ricky Rick with your murder stats for the week. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter, hip underscore hop underscore 1989, or DJ Ricky Rick on Instagram. That's DJ R I K K I R I C K. Now let's jump into these murder stats. The documentary is the debut studio album by American rapper The Game. It was released January 18, 2005, by Aftermath Entertainment, G Unit, and Interscope. The record serves as Game's major label debut, preceded by his independently released debut, Untold Story. In 2001, while the game was in the hospital recovering from being shot, he decided to pursue a career in music. He released the mixtape You Know What It Is, Volume 1, in 2002, which was later discovered by Dr. Dre and led him to signing the game to his label. The album includes production from high-profile producers such as Dr. Dre, Kanye West, Scott Storch, and Timbaland, among others, and guest appearances from 50 Cent, Eminem, Nate Dogg, and Faith Evans. This would be the game's only album on Aftermath, as he left the label later in 2005 after a public feud between him and Bella Jean and label made 50 Cent. The documentary debuted at number one on the U.S. Billboard 200, selling 586,000 units its first week. In March 2005, the Recording Industry Association of America certified the album double platinum, and by November 2005, the album had sold 4.5 million copies in the U.S. and 5 million worldwide. The documentary received generally positive reviews, with critics praising the album's production. Since the album's release, the game was credited as a driving force for reviving the once-dominant West Coast hip-hop scene 
that has since been overshadowed by artists from the East, Midwest, and South during the early 2000s. The documentary remains as the game's best-selling album to date. On June 18, 2014, the game announced a sequel to the album, The Documentary 2, which was released October 9, 2015, followed by the release of The Documentary 2.5 days later. After the game signed with G-Unit, he recorded nine songs with fellow American rapper 50 Cent in his home studio in Farmington, Connecticut, and then went back to Los Angeles to complete the album with American producer Dr. Dre. While continuing the recording sessions on the album, he began work with rapper and record producer Kanye West, where Kanye did the course. However, the song was left on the cutting room floor. The game was also inspired to revive the hip-hop scene in the West Coast, which had been overshadowed since its heyday in the 90s by rappers from the East and South. In 2005, in the interview with Vibe Magazine, 50 Cent stated that he was brought in by Interscope Records to work on the album, claiming that the album was on the verge of being shelved and the game was being dropped. However, in the interview with Funkmaster Flex, the game said that his status was never uncertain that he would be dropped. 50 Cent also claimed that he wrote six songs of the documentary's 18 tracks, Hate It or Love It, How We Do, Church for Thugs, Special Hire, and West Side Story, and didn't receive any proper credit for his work. The game denied those claims, saying that 50 Cent only wrote two hooks on the album. And those are your murder stats. I'm DJ Ricky Rick. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter, hip underscore hop underscore 1989. And I'm also DJ Ricky Rick on Instagram. Thank you very much, DJ Ricky Rick. Big up yourself. Big up. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, yeah. champ. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, man. Good, good work. Yeah, I always like someone that's into factoids and into stats and shit like that. I'm, I'm, I like that. I like keep up the good work. Yeah, that's what we need. A lot of love for DJ Ricky Rick. Absolutely, um, man. For, for being on. Actually, his first episode was your first episode. Yeah, and I, I, you know what I said to you? Remember I said to you afterwards, I like him. He sounds like something off MTV News. Exactly. Remember back in the day, MTV News, and it was like a big thing. Yeah. It was like when Beanie Siegel got when he got off his court court case and he got it was like MTV News dun, 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 and then it was like a voice just like Ricky Rick. do you remember when MTV was good it was a yeah. thing like when it, was, it had music on it it was the first thing I put on when I got in from yeah. school just like put it on yeah it'd be like music videos and it cut and it'd be like you had TRL you had American TRL and then you mm. had fucking Dave Berry on like British <laughs> TRL it's like what a step down man I know like, TRL man. Dave Berry TRL in America yeah the, some of the guests they had were absolutely amazing yeah. There's that like really famous like um, ODB clip from TRL. Yeah. When he gets asked like, "Oh, you've got all this money, but you like kids are still on like welfare, and you still take them to to do that." What, what do you think about that? And he just goes, "I don't give a fuck." <laughs> on TRL. <laughs> Who did, so good. Did Lala help? Did, did she host that? It was what's his name, the guy who Eminem used to like take the piss out of. Was it Nick? Can- Nick Cannon was no, it? No, no, no. Oh, I'm go- I'll look it up we'll later. Look it up, yeah. But he. He was like hosting it for years, yeah. um, and then maybe like there were some other people that hosted yeah. it later on. But yeah, TRL days, mate. They they were the days. Um, okay, so let's get into let's get into this album for real. Okay. So a documentary. Tell me about your kind of early memories of it, mate. When did you first come across it, and what were your kind of early thoughts on it? So there was like a lot of buzz about it. There yeah. Was a, a lot of buzz, and I uh, obviously he was with he. I knew that he was signed to Dr. Dre. I knew he was a West Coast rapper. And Dr. Dre hadn't really done anything with a West Coast rapper for a while. Yeah. Like, this is around the time he signed Rakim. Yeah. Um, and he had Truth Hurts, the singer. Yeah. Um, do you remember that? That track? Yeah. The, the, what was it called? And Rakim was he on it. He loves my bite. Yeah. Was it the one with Rakim on it? Yeah. She had like a snake. Thinking of a master plan. Yeah. yeah. It's like, ra- like, imagine a Rakim Dr. Dre album. Like, 
But there's also that track, sorry to digress here, yeah. on Blueprint 2, which is Ra, Rakim, Dre, and Jay-Z. Jay-Z. The Watcher, part two. That's it. Yeah. We give Dre his prospects, that's where it stops. It's the rock. Ah, no. Yeah. yeah. Like, and Rakim, like, proper goes in on Mate, that heart. song as Mate, well. His verse he, like, on that. proper goes in on it. I'm going to listen to that when I leave now. His like, verse on that is fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good era for if him. Blueprint 2 was like a one-disc album, if he'd have compressed that two-disc album, got rid of a lot of the filler, yeah. and made it a one-disc album, he's got another classic on his oh, hands. I definitely think that, because this um, You Don't Know's on there, MOP. Yep. That is fucking banger. Yep. To be fair, he did a little um, thing called Blueprint 2.1, which is the best of both blueprints. Yes, yes. And that is fucking yeah, amazing, because yeah. that is literally... Because he just compressed it. And it's just got fucking bangers. Yeah. yeah. There's so much filler on that album. Yeah. It's like, just get rid of a, a few, like, half the album. I mean, it's literally like, it goes like... Um, Ain't no love in the heart of the city. Mm. All I need, all I need. Mm. Uh, you don't know. Um, somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. Guns and roses. Like it's just fucking bangers, mate. Meet the parents. Meet the parents. And That's what I mean. It's just like that. there's another song that I want to talk about later on. Okay. Which is all right. Sorry, I, I, we digress. We do this I a like lot. I like digression. I like it. Um, so yeah. So tell me about the first time. So yeah, like Dr. J, he hadn't signed anyone that was like West Coast for a while. Yeah. Or at least made something with them. Um, and then, then I found out, oh, he's with G-Unit 2. And then he, they brought out uh, G-Unit Radio 8. So obviously, I don't know if people will remember, there was G-Unit used to make a series of mixtapes. Yeah. And I think, they, I think it ended on 26. I think they ended up doing 26. And, but G-Unit Radio 8 was hosted by Steve-O from Jackass. <laughs> Great. Uh, and DJ Who Kid. And, but it's the games one. They gave it to the game. Okay, Number nine cool. was about Young Buck. Um, number 11 is about Tony Yayo but number 8 was about the game and so he most of the tracks are with the game on it and the f- I think one of the first times I heard him rap was he did a song called Still Cruising with um, with Eazy-E oh wow so they've obviously taken an old Eazy-E verse put it on a banging beat oh I've heard that yes it's so good I was listening to it on the way oh, here oh fuck it's that is so good that is absolutely like blown my mind how retro that is someone had that on like a mix cd and it, it, it literally sounds like um the six four the little like yes yeah sound yeah. was like part of the beat yep fuck i forgot dun, about dun, that dun, 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 dun. that's the beat. in my six belt that yeah. thing yes. oh mate that is a fucking it's tune so good g-unit radio a is track free uh for people at home if you go on that piff you'll probably be able to find it You'll probably be able to find that mixtape on datpiff.com. Yes, that that's so... website does still exist. <laughs> What's yeah. it called? Still Cruising? It's called Still Cruising. It's, and it's on the DJ Who Kid um, mixtape. Oh, mate, that is so fucking retro. I wonder... If, oh, this is it. I've, I found it on YouTube. I wonder if this is going to be the right version because sometimes, like, when I just, like, click into YouTube's, stuff... YouTube's a dangerous It's place. so sketchy because you can get rickrolled. You can get, yeah. like... Oh, yeah, because you can, yeah. Adverts and shit. Like, right, let's give this a go. See what we're saying. Yes. Yes. This is a fucking banger, mate. So I remember someone had this just on a mix CD and I was like, it's that. Oh, shit. <laughs> Fuck. So hard. And there's like easy and they like, well, on the version I have, they just keep. Two. Three and three. Oh. Fucking three. Oh, shit. Fuck, mate. Like, if you, like, Easy e back in the day, like, you oh, listen to old Easy e and he's, like, the most basic rapper in the world. Yeah. Like, Ice Cube wrote everything for him. Yeah. Like, 
or an MC Ren wrote everything for him. But you put that beat on and you put an Easy E verse over it. He sounds like the hardest rapper in the world. That like, that is such flashbacks for me, mate. Great yeah. shout. Fuck, I used to love that tune. That, that and then Game comes in. Like his verse is like nice. nice Easy yeah. E does bits and then Game comes in and he does bits. It's like oh shit. Yeah. So that was G Unit Radio. Fuck. G Unit Radio Eight. Um, one of the best ones. One of the best ones of the G Unit Radio series. And um, there was that song, and there was Stomp. So Stomp was where Ludacris and T.I. are dissing each other on the same song. Oh, shit. And then Game's in the middle. Oh, nice. No, Young Buck's in the middle. Young Buck's in the middle, not Game. Young Buck's okay. in the middle. But they're dissing each other on the same song. When the, when the song, because the, the song Stomp ends up on the Young Buck album. Right, okay. Um, but they take T.I.'s verse off. Oh. So the only way you can hear the proper version <laughs> is on G Unit Radio 8. Boom. They end up putting somebody else on it instead. I can't remember who it is. But in terms of game, yeah, it was G Unit Radio 8. It was still cruising. Then he did a song with Prodigy. Yeah. I think it was called Bodies. Uh, it was called something else on the mixtape, but I think the official title was it was called Bodies, and it's him and Prodigy over an alchemist beat. Oh, shit. And it's hard. It's like proper hard. Um, so that was like, oh, okay, this guy's good. Then I remember there was a lot of like hype around him. And then um, I heard about the song, obviously, How We Do on the album. Yeah. And that, what I read, I remember reading this years ago, was that was one of the first beats Dr. Dre ever, ever made. Oh, really? And he just did bits to it. Like the, yeah. the actual, dun, 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 dun. like that was what he made back in the day. And then everything else was what he did today Fuck to make it. it like, he goes, yeah, I made this on like a Casio back in, 84 and now i've just put in the studio and i'm doing this to it and it just ends up becoming like a great record like it's such a good record yeah it's a banger isn't it when like when that came out i remember like being in like malia like lads holiday special right and that come on and everyone just thought they were fucking double r's yeah 50 oh impala (laughs) Uh, everyone's just walking around like they're fucking 50 cent cool you go you just do that's what hip-hop does to us exactly and it's like um, yeah i remember that just being big tune i think that's that's great that he's I kind of pulled that from his back catalogue. We were talking obviously about Lost Tapes. Yeah. And I think Dre's one of those people where he's probably got some of the greatest hip-hop never heard just tucked away exactly like that where because he's so choosy about what he does with his music and selective and like he's always making music but never seems to put it out. So he must have his back catalogue of stuff that's just ideas and projects. Like he's so prolific. Like that'd be be amazing. Like and another thing I remember about the time was the the spectre of detox was hanging over. Yes. Definitely. It was always talking about doing detox, like all the time. And he was doing it, then he wasn't doing it, then he was doing it, and he wasn't doing it. And so everyone wanted it. And it was all these rumors. One of the rumors was, I'm going to work with every person that I've ever worked with. One was, it's it's going to be 12 tracks and it's going to be produced by a different person every track. Yeah. There was all these kind of rumors and stuff going on, urban legends going on about detox. It's going to come out. What's it going to be? Yeah. And it never did. It never did. And I probably for the best that it didn't come out. But I think this became the detox for Dr. Dre. Yeah. And it's interesting because like we spoke about it a little bit last time, like detox and that, that specter of it hanging over all the eyes. But there was also that rumor that basically Dre was kind of like grooming the next generation of superstars. So obviously like mm. the first pass, like NWA, and then obviously introducing the world to like Snoop and kind of bringing these people through. And then mm. you kind of had like the M&M's 50 Cent and Game. And you kind of felt like there was a bit of crossover, like Eminem being the kind of newbie mm. on 2001. Yep. And then he could kind of be 
that kind of old head, like the Snoop on 2001 on Detox, and then you're introducing like 50s already a superstar. Here he is, couple of tracks. Like Game already a superstar. Here he is, couple of tracks. And then you've got the likes of like Snoop and Eminem and people doing bits and bobs on the, on Detox. Mm. And that kind of felt like all these albums were hit like almost a bit like you know kind of Marvel films. Mm. Like let's introduce all these characters mm. and then let's do an Avengers Assemble. Do you know what? You're absolutely right. And we were talking about the hip hop documentaries earlier on. I didn't say my third one up in smoke yeah i don't know if you yeah, up yeah, in smoke amazing. Was, and it was it was that avengers assemble thing of like eminem snoop dog that documentary was so cool yeah like snoop dog ice cube like it is it was like a team and then yeah you add g unit into it it's like 50 cent lloyd banks and then they've all got their special powers right. and you've got young buck and it's like all these different guys all come together that's probably what detox should have been and that's what i that's what i kind of always felt like any minute now we're going to get the next 2001 like basically yeah. every track you just put the album on just kick back and just fucking get into it yeah and it kind of that anticipation of like you kind of a bit like the kind of avengers but you need to you need to see the films yeah before you see the like the kind of a buddy up movie yeah this is the same thing like you need to listen to you need to know these albums yeah and it was like it did really feel like a moment it did feel like fuck like this is potentially the last one before detox like yeah. this is this is it yeah um but yeah like when you when you f kind of first get that I, I assume you bought it on cd right yeah when you first got that cd and you just popped it in yeah. it has the little bit of the intro at the beginning then it goes yeah. like straight into the first track what were your thoughts like immediately it was like west coast is back big time and dre like yeah. that just that that first track is so like very clearly like dre produced mm. and yeah for me it just certainly just kind of built the excitement like holy shit we're, we're going back into like this classic west coast shit it was at the time west coast rap i actually had a look at on, when i was on my way here i was looking at albums that came out that year yeah i just did a quick google and i just typed in 2005 hip-hop albums that was the only west coast album oh, that shit. i could see on there the south were just starting to come yeah. up in prominence um east coast was always there and it was always doing bits but there was no like notable West Coast rappers that were out there. You know, Exhibit had had a little run. Yeah. Um, West Side Connection had had a little run. Um, but that was about it. It was really, really dormant at the time, West Coast rap. Mm. And Game came along and said, I'm bringing the West back. And he did. Yeah. Because that the kind of start to the um, album, you obviously got the introduction. Then it goes into, yeah, West Side Story with 50 Cent. And it is like that archetypal Dre instrumental. Uh, and then it goes into Dreams, mm. which is like Kanye. So it kind of flips on its head. But it's like, I feel like what's really nice about this album is it kind of starts off, it kind of like builds up in pace. Yeah. So you kind of have like, uh, yeah, the start of the album is it's kind of like West Coast, a bit more chilled. Dreams is like, it's interesting place in the album because like it was one of the singles mm. and obviously it's Kanye. And it's early, isn't it? It's really early. Yeah, it's like... It's probably a bit too early, isn't it? It does. It does feel a little bit like... Because West Side Story's a, a banger. Yeah. And then it goes, Dreams is next, right? Yeah. And it's like, that's next. And it's like, you're, it's dropping the tempo right down. Yeah. And then they yeah. bring it straight back up with like, hate it. Yeah. Or love hate it. I love it. And then how we do is not long after. Yeah. That's like it? higher, uh, how we do. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many good tracks on here. Um, yeah. One of the things that I think is really kind of interesting about this album is, uh, is kind of like just gaming himself. Because at the time, like, and he mentions it a few times, like he hadn't been rapping for that long. Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, I've been rapping for a like, year and a half. Like I've come into it. And it's amazing to me, like how good he actually is at this mm. point. Because I know that he'd done mixtapes and stuff like that. And he'd been kind of, he'd obviously clearly been doing stuff. But to be that good that quickly, I was yeah. kind of quite impressed with him. Yeah, he's he's got, I remember when he, and I don't know how true this is, but I remember at the time, again, you're obviously 
double XL magazine, yeah. reading that. And I remember him saying, well, I got shot and he got shot five times over a weed deal. So someone broke in and robbed him and he got shot five times. And he was in hospital and he said, I had someone bring me a CD Walkman and all the classic albums. Big, Ready to Die, Reasonable Doubt, Illmatic, um, Chronic. And so you can hear him. Yes, he sounds like a West Coast rapper, mm. but he flows like an East Coast rapper. Definitely. He's got bars and yeah. he sees the importance of it. Whereas Snoop's like, I think Snoop's like a top 10 guy. Like yeah. I do, just because he's longevity, different styles that he can do. But Snoop's very cool. He's very laid back. He's very relaxed. He sounds he sounds and raps like a West Coast guy. Yeah. Where Game is a little bit of a hybrid and you can see where he's studied the classics Definitely. and studied the East Coast. He studied a little bit like Ice Cube in a sense. Yeah. Studied the East Coast rappers and took took a whole lot from them. For definitely, mate. I think that's a really good point actually about him kind of like studying the game. And he, and he alludes to it a few times in the album, like how he really kind of like tries to um, you know emulate the greats and wants to see himself like on that kind of level with them. And the thing about game is the guy is fucking razor sharp. Yeah. Like he is really really smart. And he is kind of one of those guys where like the sort of shit that he did in his early life was kind of a product of his environment mm. and if he'd have like grown up in like a family like a really rich family and gone to Harvard he'd have been a fucking science professor like yeah. he's really smart and I think that he's like kind of taken a, a kind of methodical approach to hip hop mm. and really studied those classics um, and that's what I think is kind of interesting about him but it's weird that he's like his legacy for me is so confusing because right. like, I think of him as being like amazing okay. and like being not necessarily top tier because I think he's done in a weird way he's kind of overexposed okay. like he's got if you go on Spotify and put the game in you'll yeah. be scrolling for about three days for material yeah. yeah but there's only really a couple that I would be like okay that is actually like considered to be good that yeah. people would listen to so what do you think is legacy we basically got this question from I um, saw that yeah uh, big Sammy J, um, Sam Johnson. He said, had Game stayed with Aftermath slash Dre at least for another album or two, do you think it would have changed his trajectory much? And could he perhaps now be considered a genuine great or at least a modern great? It's a good I, question now. It is a really good question. And I ended up just jotting down like his albums and like, mm. and you see like a drop off in quality. So after documentary was Doctor's Advocate, which yeah. is a good album. It's good, really good. Yeah. It's a good album. LAX was a good album. Uh, Red was decent yeah um and then documentary 2 and documentary 2.5 there was like jesus peace and there was blood of the wolf which was in there too they both kind of passed me by both yeah. of those Same. jesus peace had far too many guests on it yeah and a lot of the guests didn't suit him he had like little wayne and jeezy and yeah. loads of yeah, chris brown on it like it was a, it completely passed me by that album because yeah. it's like there's too many guests on here i've got no interest um would it have made a difference? I think Fifty Cent was just a bigger loss as Dr. Dre was. Yeah. Um, I think if he'd have if he'd have stayed in the team, perhaps. But I think probably I think it was probably important that he went out and did his own thing too. Yeah. Um, if he'd have been with Fifty Cent, you can see how Fifty Cent's rap career's gone. He, I think Games had the better career, and we covered that on the last podcast. Yeah. I think he's had the better career. Like I said, Doctor's Advocate's a really good album. Yeah, it is he's really good. consistent. He is consistent. Nothing's below, you know three and a half stars everything's kind nothing he's, there's no absolute toilet on there yeah you know would he have done any better no i don't think so because i think dr dre while if you think about what he's done since then there's been kendrick yeah that's about it yeah he once he started doing headphones dr dre he was not interested in making music anymore and also i think oh and dr anderson pack yeah i think dre has like not a shelf life with artists 
But I think he like he can create something special with an artist for maybe one album and yeah. then give him a couple of beats for a second album. I mean, even on this album, it's not all Dre. Mm-mm. There's so many other um, beats provided by other people. We were talking off air about Havoc's produced beats on here, Timberland. Um, there's there's a lot of other producers. Alchemist, I think, made some beats on on Devil's Advocate, maybe. Yep. Um, anyway, but yeah, so it's kind of like even that kind of illustrates that Dre doesn't necessarily like kind of oversee people's entire careers. I mean, look no. at Snoop. Yeah, Snoop's, he went off. Snoop's albums aren't all like produced by no. Dre. No one's are. Like M kind of decided that like, I'm going to do only my... like one album that Snoop did with a Doggy Style yeah. that was all Dre and then Daz as well, but. What else? Like Dogfather was he? Was no Dre beats on it at all. And so this is what I mean. I feel yeah. like Dre uh, gets, and, and maybe it's just because of like his his legacy. Dre gets a lot of praise for stuff he doesn't do. Yeah, and that's not a that is not a yeah. diss at Dre. It's we all do it in exactly the same way as I hear all the time. Oh, that beat by Pharrell was amazing. It's like yeah. that's a Neptune's beat. Yeah. So that's not just Pharrell. Yeah, that's yeah, Chad yeah. as well. Yeah. But you know, and again, he gets praise Pharrell gets praised for stuff that he didn't do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Dre is uh, someone that falls into that category where people are like, oh my God, if it wasn't for them, they yeah. wouldn't have made it. And it's yeah. like, he doesn't produce... Yeah, because like, it's like Dre 2001 is like him and Melman. Exactly. And no one talks about Melman. Yeah. It's just Dr. Dre. Um, but Daz he, did a yeah. bit on, you know, Daz did stuff on The Chronic. Um, Daz, I think Daz probably, I think he tries to take too much credit for mm. what happened with Death Row because... If Daz was that good, he'd still be doing it. Yeah. Um, so I think Dr. Dre is a genius and he is yeah, one of the best, sure. best ever. But I think you're right. I think there is a shelf life with him. I don't think it would have made a massive difference to Game at all. Game, you could see that, that he was an independent soul, that he was always going to do his own thing eventually. Yeah. He was going to work with Just Blaze and Kanye and Alchemist and all these people. And yeah. he did. And he's had a good career. I'm not going to say he's had a bad career no for sure and if career. you look if you look at it right so I, I think most people consider like of rappers that are alive people would say like Jay-Z in terms of like the con- consistency for certain yeah. and the kind of like continuation of his legacy yeah and he has never really fallen off right but he's also worked with a million different producers so let's say for example like the the kind of first album people were like oh he should have just stayed with Preem like should have stayed with Premier exactly the same as people say it with Nas and it's like yeah but if you don't, if you do that and then it doesn't work out, what happens then? Yeah. It's just because we've seen them work with lots of different people. It gets stale. Yeah, it gets stale after a while. You do need to do. I mean, I do. I do feel like sometimes, like Nas, for example, Nas should do an album with Preem. Yeah, he do. It should, should just be Premier and Nas, and maybe if you want to bring an Alchemist, I'm cool. Ten with tracks. It. Do you remember? Bang. Do you remember um, Return of the Mac, Prodigy, yeah. and Alchemist? Such a good album. It's like 10, 11 tracks. Keep it simple. Yeah. Bangers, 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 bangers. Go. See you later. Yeah, yeah I, I think, yeah, someone like a Nas, he overcomplicates it. He picks bad beats and he needs to stop executive, executive producing his album. Yeah, he for needs to sure. let somebody else do it. The thing is for me as well is like, and, and I've noticed it with like albums that have come out recently. There's this new thing about like making an album like seven tracks. So mm-hmm. gone the other way. So oh, yeah. It used to be like people put 20 tracks. I mean, even the documentary has got it's like, like uh, depending on the version you watch, yeah, it's like 17, 18 tracks yeah 18 tracks there's a bit of filler in there there is a bit of filler and there's a couple of skits and stuff but in the main that's that's a lot and i'd say one of the best an album i consider to be a classic which has come out fairly recently i mean it's still old now yeah. is b by common yes now all he's done on there is he's gone i mean that that album to me is like i think it's 12 tracks yeah. maybe 11 tracks and he's just gone right kanye and dilla and kanye you exit produce yeah and that's it 
And that album is like one of the, the last really, really brilliant albums to me where it's like everything's on point. Every single track is good. Like the lyrics are amazing. Features are great. Some of the beats, the instrumentals, Diller and Kanye's like some of their best beats. Yeah. Like amazing. I just feel like Nas just needs to go back to basics with that. And I feel yeah. like, same with Game. If like Game came out now and was like, right, I'm just working with like X yeah. and we're going to make this. I feel like he he's still very good. Yeah, I think I think his next album's going to be his last album, I think he's saying. Oh, okay, it's interesting. He's doing an album soon, and he's saying it's going to be his last album. Hopefully, I assume he's made enough money. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing him and 50 go bar for bar for one last go. Oh, so or, do you know what? Not even bar for bar. Make a fun song. Yeah. Like he did on the first album. You know, How We Do is a fun song. Big time. You know, hate or love it. It's a little bit deep and introspective at times, yeah. but it's got a nice beat. I wouldn't mind him them two having a bit of fun and enjoying themselves one last time. Yeah, I, I think I think it's kind of what everyone wants to see is kind of those two, uh, kind of one more time, just give us that magic that they had when they were in their prime. It's like you you don't want to see Batman and Superman beefing. You want them to be together and to yeah. kick the baddies' ass. You know, yeah, you know, that's what you want. We're in that stage in the movie where like that, you know, they both had their own movies, then they've fallen out. And we've had the versus movie, and now we're ready for okay. Let's put our differences yeah. aside. Yeah. Let's come back and crush the game. I mean, I think that would be that'd be great. Um, talk to me about um, best tracks, your favorite tracks on this album, because like like we said, there's like 18 to choose from. Yeah. So, so, so difficult choices, I think. Yeah, I think it is difficult. I think it is difficult because there's a lot of good songs on there. Yeah. Um, I narrowed it down to three. Um, How we do. Yeah. Um, West Side Story. Yeah. And where I'm from with Nate Dogg. Uh, yeah, those are probably my that is fucking like Nate Dogg is just like I'm gonna play, oh. play a little bit of that like that beat too like bow, bow. the little like guitar pluck like classic West Coast that mm. is this Dre this instrumental I think so Sa- I mean if it yeah. isn't it sounds exactly he's gonna claim it <laughs> yeah exactly we'll, we'll just give him credit anyway yeah. this is a Dre beat yeah. Dr. Dre beat yeah. but yeah I mean it's just like that is archetypal like West West Coast sound to me yeah Nate Dogg on the hook oh kind of chill laybacks west coast west coast gangster rap yeah yeah no that's one of my favorites how we do is like classic g unit yeah. hard beat 50 cent and and game going back and forth you know uh, that's that that would stand the test of time that song yeah and then the other one i said was west side story just because uh, i think the way you start an album is important big time um and if for this like it like i said before it was about bringing the west back and it was like intro West Side Story and yeah. it was bangs bangers straight from the start man it's so true I think if you want to start like with any album you want to basically give people in the first song this is what we're all about and I always think like the, the perfect opening for an album in terms of this is what you're going to get in the next of the album is Bring the Ruckus by Wu-Tang yeah. Bring the Ruckus like encompasses everything they're about mm. you're getting like a couple of different MCs jumping on tracks it's mm. fucking aggressive mm. it's like their sound and I feel like West Side Story on here it's like it's perfect. Yeah. Like it's exactly what you want to hear yeah. from this album, and you 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 kind of know immediately. Okay, this is where it's going to go. This is going to yeah. be fucking West Coast great. beats, bit of Fifty Cent. Yeah, let's go. Let's play a little bit of that as well. I mean, like what a way to start an album. Just like, and it gives it a minute to just, and then and the opening bars. Like here we go. Like. Jamaicans. Yeah, I mean. And it just sets the tone, doesn't it, perfectly of like, okay, this is what you're going to get. And, and like I said, I think that to me in hip hop, but that is really important is like, you, you need to kind of show your audience, okay, this is what you're going to get from me and also what you're going to get from this album. Absolutely. And I think Game does that really well. I mean, some someone's asked us kind of, there's a lot of shout outs in this. Yeah. Name dropping and stuff yeah. like that. Um, actually, let me just give the 
Because that is one of the things that I noticed really early on. Like, first couple of listens, I was a bit like, fucking hell. Like, he's just literally name-checking, like, yeah. every single person uh, in the industry. Yeah. Um, but I do think that it's, it's really interesting. So, it came from um, MF Gloom, at Pontification. Difficult question, but ha- perhaps um, what would be the equivalent West Coast G-Funk album from the 90s? Does it deserve to be up there with Chronic, Doggy Style, 2001? Final one. Are the incessant name drops 145 so on documentary do- two? On documentary two, yeah, not it, number one. I think it's documentary two. He's saying, okay, it, but I think that's he's saying. Is that a unique or an annoying characteristic of game? Because if it's 142 on the second one, it, it's got to be something similar on the first. Yeah, one. Yeah, I remember at the the time reading a, probably again on Double XL magazine or on the <laughs> website, or it might have been Hip Hop DX. I used to read that quite a bit. Um, I remember they broke it down. Oh shit. How many times? I think it was on. It wasn't on the magazine. I'm pretty sure it was on Hip Hop DX, and they broke it down. How many times he said particular people's names? Oh shit! And I was like, so it was like Dre, like a hundred yeah. times, Easy, a million times, like Fifty Cent, whatever. And then right at the very bottom was probably my favourite, <laughs> Black Rob and Loon. I was like, <laughs> oh shit! When did he say Black Rob and Loon? Because I was like, Bad Boy, like yeah, I yeah. love Bad Boy, but Black Rob is one of my favourite rappers. Yeah. Like I love Black Rob. And so I was like, when did he say Black Rob? Like, and I had to go and find it. Like, I had to listen to the album again. Yeah. And I think it's on the Faith Evans song where he talks about how he was in the studio with Black Rob and Loon. And I was just like, oh, shit. Like, Fuck. like it was such a cool thing because, you know, from our generation growing up on East Coast, West Coast, for a Dr. Dre rapper to be in the studio with Puffy and Puffy rappers, it was like so cool. Yeah. Like, it was such a, you never saw a picture of Puffy and Dr. Dre together, yeah. ever. And for someone like me, I was a huge Dr. Dre fan, a huge Puffy fan. So for me, again, it's Batman and Superman. It's Stone Cold and The Rock. Mate. It's like them becoming a tag team. And to see, like, to hear, like, oh, shit, he was in the studio with Black Rob. That was, like, a big deal to me. Yeah, mate, I love stuff like that. I think that's part of, like, the culture of, like, going through lyrics and, like, reading stuff. So you hear, like, a name and you're like, okay, I don't know who that is. That, like, mm. shouting out someone. Mm. Then you like, this was, like, before the days of Google. So you'd even have to, like, ask your mates, oh, do you know who that is? Like, yeah. And you, you could, like, kind of piece together who these people are. Like, it used to happen a lot with, like, Jay-Z records. Like, at the end of the tracks, you'd be like, oh, big, like, big up this person, big yes, up that person. Yes. And you'd be like, who is that? Like, who's, like neeks and sparks and yeah. who's like who are these people oh, i need to know this og1 like, yeah I remember he said that like who's og1 and yeah. i think he was like some old school gangster guy yeah exactly and it's like i love that kind of element of like the shout out so for me i don't find it annoying i find it kind of interesting because i feel like the game talks a lot about kind of what's actually happening in hip-hop mm. and like because he's a bit like 50 where he's like he's not afraid of beef he's not afraid to just say i think yeah. santa's a prick or whatever yeah. but he kind of in particularly with documentary one he talks a lot about his love for the greats and the classics. And in a way, this album is kind of like paying homage to, to the kind of golden era guys. Mm. And, and for me, like me personally, this would stand up there because I would listen to this. I mean, like looking again through the track list, West Side Story, Dreams, Hate It or Love It, Higher, How We Do, Don't Need Your Love, which is the track you just mentioned. Yep. Um, Put You On The Game, which is a Timberland instrument. It was a fucking banger. Yeah, Timberland, it was like, I, I had this I had this kind of habit of cussing Timberland yeah. all the time I'd say he ain't made a good beat since Big Pimpin I used to yeah. say that all the time <laughs> to people yeah. he ain't made nothing good since Big Pimpin and then the Black Album came out oh fuck and then Dirt Off Your Shoulder and I was like fuck I can't say that no because yeah, he had a run where he was just doing like he did like the Missy Elliott stuff yeah. I was hating like, yeah. I was hating but he did the Missy Elliott and stuff Aaliyah, but that didn't resonate genuine. with me Aaliyah didn't really resonate with me like yeah he did Genuine um 
but he just none of it resonated with me so yeah. I like to like saying that he ain't done nothing good to Big Pimpin he's fucking trash and man. then he puts out some bangers I mean th- I'll, look, I'll play a little bit of this I, I think this this is this is a this is a big tune such a Timberland I mean beat, isn't it? it's just aggressive as fuck upset me so much that he came back like that <laughs> proper bit I was hating hard I mean that is fucking heavy tune yeah and um and again, it just—it's nice, like it's different, kind of sonically to hear game on that type of instrumental because mm. it's not it's kind t- of southerny. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Timberland yeah. stuff is kind of like—it's just him. Yeah, it's, it's not like a coast or an area. Like yeah. I know he's from the south, but it's like—it's just as soon as you hear it, you're like that's Timberland. Yeah, and like he works with so many different artists from all over, and so many people sound good on his stuff. It kind of like cements him as like certainly yeah. one of the greats. But I really like that track. Um, really like Running, we spoke about last time with yes, Tony Ayer. Yes. That is a fucking tune. It was such a nice, because we'd been listening to Game for like 16, 17 tracks. I, don't know, I yeah. think it's track 11 actually, Running. Uh, uh, tra- track 12. Track 12, I wasn't far off. And you're listening to Game for 11 tracks and yeah, 50's on it and uh, and it's like, yeah, this is cool. And then Tony Yayo comes on and it's such a different voice. It's yeah. so different and the bars on it, it's probably my, one of my favourite verses on the album. Yeah. And and the, the the quote that you said that you text me after the thing yeah. about, I said, fuck jail, I'm going on tour to Barcelona and Brazil. Brazil. And I was yeah. like, yeah. I was just like, yes, because Yayo was about it. Like he was about it. Like he Big knew time. he'd fresh out of prison, fuck bail, I'm going on tour. Like I was just like, yes. It's such a nice change of pace to that album. Definitely. It's such a great album, but it was nice to have Tony Ayo because it was just so different. Yeah, for sure. And I think that it's definitely the standout feature on there because you've got the usual suspects. Like, it's a Dr. Dre produced album, so you've got Mary J on there. You've got, like, Faith Evans is a nice addition. Yeah. I, I really like, um, actually, one of my other tracks I like, we spoke about it again before, is this um, Don't Need Your Love, which is Faith Evans, but it's produced by um, Havoc, Mob Deep. Um, and again, I, I just, when I first heard this, I don't know why, but I didn't, like, didn't catch the Havoc and Prodigy thing. Mm. I just assumed this was Kanye. I think the, it's the soul sample. Yeah. It doesn't sound like Havoc, does it? No, not at all. No. But it's a fucking <laughs> incredible yeah. instrumental. And his. I mean, it's amazing. His voice sounds a lot different. Yeah. Do you know, he sounds like Shine. Yeah. He sounds like Shine on that album. So there's a. After like documentary came out, there was like. You know, like those dodgy albums that come out? Like these are all the offcuts. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It was called Game Time. Yeah. And I bought that being a fanboy. And he sounds like that on the whole thing yeah, yeah. shit but it sounds like he sounds like he sounds like shine yeah like on the whole thing and then he ended up finding changing a little bit and trying not to sound like biggie so much yeah. and i think the thing is with game is he's a fan and i think that of rick ross as well like i love me some ricky ross like he's like he's a fan first and he's kind of so he ends up biting people a little yeah. bit but not blatantly just yeah. a tiny bit just a tiny bit because he loves it so much. Yeah, but then like Jay Z's had the same thing with like on Ether. Nas is like, oh, you, you you were Big's man. Like now you're like trying to like take his lyrics and stuff. And it's like sometimes it's like if you're a student of the game, you are you can't help but like yeah. I I, I also wouldn't call it buy-in. I'd just say it's more like you are inspired by those it's people. Influence. And, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't yeah. think that's that's necessarily a, a bad thing. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, look, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we are gonna get into uh, we got listener questions. Uh, I want to find out about your favourite lyrics from this album. Okay. Uh, features, all that wonderful stuff. So we're going to have a quick break and then we will be back. Cue. 
Okay, we are back and refreshed. We are good to go. Um, you wanted to answer that second half of that question. I cut you off a little bit, mate, so yeah. go for it. It was the first half of the question. Oh, sorry. Uh, that, um, it was MF Gloom. He yes. said, what album is comparable? Yeah. Would you compare the documentary to to other West Coast G-Funk albums? And I think Doggy Style was the answer. Yeah, okay. Um, because there was a lot of buzz around Snoop Dogg. Um, you know, he'd been on the chronic a lot. Yeah. He'd done what was the song? What was the song? The big pun and they sampled it. Oh. Uh, and you don't stop. It's one eight seven on the undercover car. Yeah. Um, that's one eight seven. Yeah, whatever it was called, I can't remember. But Deep Snoop cover. was on that. Deep cover. Thank yeah, you. Which excellent. We got there. Yes. Yes. We took our time. Yes. Yeah. This is um, why we do this shit. Yeah. Yes. This is why we're qualified. Yeah. Uh, that's why we put numbers on the board. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Deep Cover. There was a buzz about Snoop. Yeah. And then he was with Dr. Dre, he's with Death Row. And I think this is comparable. Yeah. Good I show. think it's like do- game, he's with Dr. Dre, he's with G Unit, he's been he's done G Unit Radio A, he's got a buzz. So I think that's the answer. Yeah, that's good chat. And, and that buys into my theory of like this like pre detox, this is the next like the next guy. The next guy. Yeah. And that's a good shout, mate, in terms of it like tying into that for sure. Um, okay, so we've touched on um, production in terms of Dre, Kanye, Timberland. What is your favourite instrumental on this track, on this album? Uh, I did write this down. Because uh... for me, like, so I would say like the obvious ones, like I obviously just said they don't need your love, that Havoc instrumental to me. I, I like the pitched up soul samples. Mm-hmm. It became really cliched yeah. and like you could argue that like, kind of like the rizzers of this world they flipped it kind of differently mm. then kind of Kanye's had this approach but I like that sound which is why I really like Dreams I really like Don't Need Your Love like those two um, and that running instrumental for me is just fucking hard that's a good answer aside, aside from the single because I do think like the singles on this album like Hate It or Love It How We Do mm. those two are fucking bangers like the instrumentals are really good yep. so it's, it's easy to kind of say those but yeah if I was taking those out of it they, they would be the ones that I'd pick for sure yeah I think um, my, my picks were we've spoken about them already West Side Story yeah how we do and start from scratch. Yeah. Uh, which I think Mary J. Blige is on. I yeah, think. it's a little, little blast of that. It's actually um, Marsha from Floatry. Ah, Marsha from Floatry. I saw Floatry live. Did you? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. She's really good. Yeah. She should be a much bigger star than what yeah, she is. Yeah, for definite. She okay. did that song with Freeway. Ah, uh, um, I'm not going to remember it. Now. Yeah, it was on his album. It was on yeah. one of Freeway's albums. Uh, and it was yeah. really good. Yeah, mate. Um, Floatry, really, really talented. They are really talented. Yeah, I really like Start From Scratch. That beats hard. Yeah. And then obviously, yeah, West Side Story, How We Do. Those are probably my favourites. But yeah, Where I'm From is the other one as well. Yeah. It's so West Coast. Yeah, it's so West Coast. It's so West Coast. Yeah, to be honest, like most of the time when we do albums with Nate Dogg on it, so it was like a Nate Dogg track that's like people's favourites. Yeah. Something about like when he's on something, it's kind of set up for him. So it t- tends to be more melodic and mm-hmm. therefore like more listenable. Okay. Um, for sure. Um, what's, okay. Your favorite, what's your favourite Nate Dogg appearance? Um, Explosive on 2001. Look at that. You were quick. But just because that is like probably up there with like one of my favourite ever West Coast tracks. Right. And he just fucking comes like, just comes out of nowhere and just yeah. fucking annihilates that. And also, it's just again the instrumental is just a fucking like roller. Like in the summer, you hear that and you're just like you're just kind of cruising, you know, like in the whip. Especially like on a day like today when it's like yeah. nice weather and you you kind he of probably get like you said he proper gets to go in on that. It proper he gets a bit of time on that song. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's almost his song, really. Yeah. Um, and that's like for me why I just thought I always kind of think about it and just think this is such a fucking like banger 
Um, but yeah, like, I'll just play a little bit of it because it's just, I mean, the instrumental is just fucking. <laughs> and Kanye, like he was proper inspired by yeah. this album, wasn't he? So he talks about it on um, on the last track on his first album. Oh, last call. Last call, and he says like basically I was trying to make um, beats at the time. This can't t- be life. With yeah. Scarface and Jigger. And he's like I basically copied the beat from the drums, Explosive. Yeah. yeah. And if you listen to both tracks, you're like, oh fuck. Yeah. yeah, yeah this yeah. can't be life is an absolute tune. Nothing like Explosive, but no. the drum pattern is exactly it's the same. Exactly the same. My favourite Nate Dogg appearance is probably So Fly off the 213 album. Okay. Which is a bit niche. It didn't do great, that album. It was, yeah. it was okay, but it's the very last track. It's the very last track of the 213 album. And Nate Dogg just, again, he gets the opportunity to just go in. Yeah. Like Warren G does a cool verse, Snoop does a cool verse, but it's all about Nate. Yeah. And Nate just smashes it. And it's like, that was one of the, the, the rapper or, you know, hip hop deaths that upset me the most was Nate Dogg. For sure. But just because like, to be part of that many classics, yeah. like classic albums, but it just, his his actual appearances on those tracks, like, so like again, on 2001, um, like some of the appearances on there, like some of the best moments on that album are, mm. are his. And like, that's incredible when you look at the roster of artists that are on that album. Um, yeah, just fucking brilliant. Um, okay, let's um, let's let's carry on with this. Um, do you got? Have you got a favourite lyric or like just a favourite verse from this album? We've already spoke about it. probably Tony Yayo's verse. Yeah, probably Tony Yayo's verse and probably Game's verse on how we do. I would say they're all Game and Fifty Cent's little back and forth. Yeah, I just enjoyed that. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was like I said before, it was fun. It was fun, and they're they're talking about. They mentioned like Lloyd Banks, and I was a huge Lloyd Banks fan. And they were just talking about all the different people in the crew and yeah. all that. I was like, yeah, this is great. Like, I liked their back and forth. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. I think that 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 moment, especially like the first time I heard that, I was like, fucking hell, this is amazing. Because mm. like Fifty was massive. Games like the new kind of like Youngstone, uh, kind of on the scene, like coming through, and then they're actually doing bits. Like, it's it's amazing. Um, to kind of watch them just kind of go back and forth. Like, yeah, that, that is absolutely amazing. There's also Eminem's verse. Yeah. Eminem comes on and does a little verse yeah. as well. Um, he does, he has game. He ha- does have game on the track. I can't remember any bars for him, but I remember feeling like, yeah, he's got you there, game. Like, M's come on and he's he smashed you up a bit. But that's yeah. fine. He does that with everybody. Yeah, like, exactly. At that moment in time, particularly, like, he was bossing everyone. So it's, like, kind of understandable to like, think like, that. Just was, hold the L and go home. Yeah, that's exactly. Cool. This is also going to happen. Um, best feature on the album, we kind of spoke about it. Probably, what we're saying? Tony Yayo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yayo and Nate Dog, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Cool. It's all probably right. 50 Cent, to be fair. Yeah, you I mean, see his fingerprints all over it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those albums where, like, you know, it, it ultimately is games like solo album, but those features do make it. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's no. a criticism of game. Absolutely, I think not. that's just really wise choices. Like, so many people have features and they just don't work. And I, I feel like every feature on here makes total sense. For someone like you know, he said, "I've only been rapping a year and a half. I've not been doing it very long." It's someone that's okay. You've got loads of raw talent. Yeah. but you just need a little bit of guiding here. Yeah. So, okay, it's fine. We're going to give you Kanye West and he's going to help you out a bit. Yeah, yeah. And Eminem's going to give you a verse. Oh, and then 50's going to help you write songs because yeah. 50 Cent is really good. Or uh, he was at that time yeah. at crafting songs and melodies and things like that and putting it together. So he had a lot of help and it ended up being, you know, as close to a classic album that, that he could have made. Well, that was what I was going to ask you. Do we, do we consider, because I have this issue when like albums come out now and they're out for a day and people are like, classic. I'm like, fuck. Like for me, they've got, they've got to have a, like at least a couple of years before, because then you can, 
Because sometimes you hear albums that are released that just hit a sweet spot in terms of it sounds like everything else, but it's just a better version of it. Mm. But then a year later, it's like, ah, okay, this wasn't actually as good as we thought. Isn't so I feel like you need time to certify yeah. classics. And I think, I, th- I think a lot of the time, the, the kind of the parameter for a classic was, is there any skips on it? Are yeah. you skipping anything? I would skip a couple on the game, but I, I don't know if that is true. I, I, think, I think, are you, do you still listen to it in five years' time? And are you listening to the bulk of the album? I think if you answer both of those questions, I think yes, it's a classic. I think yeah. game. I think the documentary falls under that. Yeah, I think he's uh, unfortunately in that era of hip hop that people just forgot about, which yeah. is exactly how I felt about it. Where it's just like in the middle between what's happening now and yeah. the golden era. And I think there's a lot of good albums that we are going to be covering. Um, like Come Home with Me, Cameron. That is a fucking what an album that is. Yeah. No one talks about it. No yeah. one talks about that. And then there are albums that get released yesterday and everyone's got that's a classic. I'm like, yeah. that, that can't hold a candle to no. come home with me. So in, in boxing, because, you know, that, that is my bread and butter yeah. at the end of the day, um, you, a boxer can't go into the International Hall of Fame unless he's been retired for five years. Or he or she, sorry, okay. has been retired for five years. So you could, like, retire and then come back a year later and lose six fights. But we've already put you in the Hall of Fame. So it's good. So it's like, you have to be retired for five years. Like so it. we're kind of sure that you're not coming back. And I think that that rule has to be applied to classic albums. You're not allowed to judge it for five years. If you Then you go back, review it again, and you're still loving it, then it's a classic. I'm, I'm into that. Because yeah. I think five years is enough time where you can you can change the landscape. Like, like for example, and again, we blow smoke up its ass, but list it all back now. It still sounds fucking great. Yeah. And you put it on, you don't skip it. Yeah. You can listen to it in the car, and it's still... It doesn't sound old. It just sounds different to what's happening now. There are albums that were released then mm. that do sound old. Mm. Like even ones that I love, even ones that are good, yeah. they, you can tell they're old. Like yeah. 36 Chambers does not hold up sonically. It doesn't yeah. sound very good now, yeah. but it's still fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, and it's still definitely a classic. Yeah. But um, it's, it's just, there are definitely arguments to be made. Like T says it all the time, Thornius Filth says it all the time. It's like there are a lot of shit released in the 90s that people think you know were, were great and actually if you listen back to them they're not great Yeah. Um, and that is true in the same way as their albums that get released now that people go oh that's a classic they won't be listening to it next year no they, they, they won't, won't be they won't so yeah it's interesting alright well let's um, just one last question before we get into listener questions for people that have never heard this album give me your pitch like why would you recommend this album to people um, I, like we said it earlier on it was the West Coast comeback Yeah. it was like if you like your hip hop that sounds a bit funky, that sounds like West Coast that you can play in the whip, you know, it is that. It's it's got loads of bangers on it. It's got great guests. It's got great beats. It's it's a who's who of producers. Yeah. It's got an Eminem verse. It's got Nate Dog hook. It's got Tony Yayo verse. <laughs> it's got yeah. it all, and but it's got that West Coast sprinkle on it. Um, there's so much good East Coast rap out there, and I love East Coast rap too. But there's something about West Coast rap that just is special to me. And so if you like your West Coast rap, Game is is something different to the Chronic and Doggy Style and all that. It's a little bit different. Mate, well said. I think it's a perfect crossover record if you if you like East Coast, but you feel like it's summer, I can't be listening to fucking like gritty mob deep or like uh, just like DMX. I want something a bit more chill, but you still like that style. Mm. Like put the documentary on, just just cruise around, you'll you'll be you'll be very happy. Um, okay, let's get into some listener questions. We've okay. had quite a few this week. It's yeah. obviously a popular album, so it's good to kind of get into it. Um, first one comes from Coops, who's on our two-pack episode. Okay. 
um, from the Shed Beats boys. So big up you boys. Yes. Um, he's put, how come the game says he came out of that coma in 2001 <laughs> around the same time Dre dropped 2001? Any real Dre fan knows that Dre dropped 2001 in 1999. <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah. I've never, ever thought about that. Really? I, it's never crossed my mind. And then I read that today and I was like, what the fuck? Why How did I... you do that? Why did you ruin the song for John? Why yeah. did you do that? Yeah, you've just killed it for me. I was like, yeah. and then, so in my mind, then I just immediately was going, okay, how can I defend him here? What he's saying is, did he mean he literally physically like dropped, yeah. dropped it as in he's like stopped working on it? And I was like, no, no, it's like, no, he's just, the it thing sounds is, good. It's yeah. just wrong, isn't it? It's just wrong. It's lazy. It's just lazy rhyming basically. Cause he could have been like, I came out of that coma in 2001 and then he's got he's got some time there before he needs to put the second two thousand and one. Yeah. So it could have been like yeah. you know two years before Dre drops two thousand and one. Oh, yeah, or after. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It was it was. I, I can't defend the guy. I can't defend him. It was lazy and it bothered me. Yeah. It really bothered me as a nerd. It was yeah. just like no. It was out in ninety nine. I had the CD. I read the credits back to front. Don't do this game. Why? Why did you do it? And I'm kind of embarrassed that I didn't get it because it's one of my favourite trick questions in hip hop like yeah. when did Dr. Straight 2001 come out yeah. people are like uh, 2001 like, no no yeah. no, no. then they go 2000 because yeah. they're like chronic 2000 ah. and, then, and then you're like no it's 1999 yeah, it's, the thing is about that album the only way I could defend him is that album was the Dr. Dre 2001 which for a long time was my favourite ever ever oh, album and same. it's still in the top five same I love um, that album. it's such a great album um, but it was it had so many good songs that by the time the next episode video came out, it was 2001. Yeah, that's true. Like, they proper longed it out because there were so many good songs in it. And I remember so it being 2001 and that video playing on The Box or whatever it was yeah. you were watching at, to, at the time. MTV yeah. Bass, whatever. Man, that's, that's spot on because I, I feel like that, that, that album, weirdly, was just like around for like a four or five year period mm. where it was like, it was just in everyone's CD collection. You know, like you get on your mate's car and they'd have a CD thing. Two, if they didn't have 2001, I'd be like, I don't know if yeah. it can really be mates. Yeah. It was just like that. It's like that hip hop album that everybody should have. It's like yeah. a yeah. It's it is. It's like a you must have it. It's yeah. like a must have. It's like a basic thing that you should have in whatever kind of music you like. Yeah. No, but you have to have Dr. Dre 2001. It's yeah. like something you should have. Yeah, it's just like certified you as an all right person if you yeah. have that album. Yeah. Um, so we we've asked the one from uh, MF Gloom. Oh, we got one from our very own Thelonious Filth. Oh God. <laughs> He asks us, does hip-hop as a genre lend itself to a long career, considering how trend-driven it can be? That is a really good question, though. He's a dickhead. He's such a dickhead. <laughs> uh, I suppose it doesn't. Does it? It's a young people's game, isn't it? Big time. It's a young man's game, a young lady's game. You know, you've got to be on trend all the time, and only really the true greats have been able to adapt. Adapt with Snoop's one, yeah. Jay-Z's another, and perhaps Nas has struggled. Yeah. You know, it's something. I think he's right. It's it is a young man's or young young ladies' game, and yeah, it's it is for young people. And people tend to have a really short run and then fall off, big time, like hard, like like Ja Rule. Like he had a run and then he just tanked. Yeah, because you have to be able to stay on trend. You can't keep wearing a Vizu jeans forever. Like you have to be able to adapt. And uh, and if you don't, it's and and music is for the kids too. I think kids are the kids are the ones that drive the genre, drive all music and where it's going. And so, 
are they going to be listening to a 35 year old or a 40 year old telling them you know stuff they want to listen to people their age so i think he's right i think it's it doesn't lend itself only really the true greats i, I think yeah you're absolutely spot on mate it's like the mount rushmore of hip-hop they are the ones that have like maintained a level of quality i mean even if you look at like if you look at m and nas who by my standards, they should be in that category of like the greatest ever, right? And I want to ask you, what's the Mount, Ra- Mount Rushmore of rap now? Well, this is the thing, right? So you set yourself up. Yeah. So I've got this. I've got this theory. There are two lists, right? Okay. There's who are the best and who are my favourites, right? That's fine. Now I think the best should be based on like multiple factors. So okay. it should be about classic albums. Have you got some? Have you got one? Have you got more than one? how many records you've sold because you can you can be like an underground hero but I don't think that that's enough I think you need to be in the kind of populace and the lexicon of like what's going on in the world to really kind of be considered a great you have to be nice like I want bars like there's a lot of rappers that I really enjoy but they're not actually a great rapper the actual technical ability and skill right Mm -hmm. so for me like and there are a number of other things in terms of like live performance and you know have they penetrated popular culture all those sort of things right mm. so for me the top five in terms of the best ever is Jay-Z Eminem Tupac Biggie and Nas they okay. are the top five okay because anyone else that you want to include in there I don't think when you put all those factors in they can't hit all of those boxes yeah now the reason say that's the Mount Rushmore the, the worrying thing would be for me is like Biggie and Park's legacy can't they can't fuck it up because they're not yeah. here. Yeah, so yeah. they have got the benefit of not never falling off. Yeah. So that is a bit of a cheat. But if you actually look at what they achieved and what they've like what they did when they were here. Yeah. I mean Tupac particularly, the record sales were fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And like, what was it, four or five platinum albums? Like that yeah. is phenomenal. To do that by age of what twenty five or twenty four, whatever yeah. it was, is absolutely amazing by anyone's like level. If you look at Big, like we're talking two albums while he was with us, basically, mm. um, those two albums are both amazing. But but for me, as a rapper, he is the best of them all. I Just agree. the yeah. natural flow, the yeah. voice, the kind of like vivid imagery, like. He yeah. is just fucking beyond nice, like ridiculous. Yeah. I think he's the greatest. I think Big's the greatest. Yeah. I think he's. The, I'm. I was sat here listening to you, and I was thinking about a Mount Rushmore, and I was thinking, okay, so what's kind of the criteria? Even mm. though it's my fucking question, um, <laughs> I'm thinking it's not about bars and it's not about rapping. It's about who steered the culture. That's interesting. Okay. So it's about people that have influenced rap and hip hop, hip hop music, for the last since its inception. Okay. So I'm sat here and I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking, it's Jay Z, yeah, it's Dr. Dre, it's Puffy, it might be Kanye. As much as I dislike him, yeah, uh, as a human being, uh, he's made wonderful music, but I dislike what he is today. Um, and I can't think of who's number five. It might be a Tupac, maybe or Biggie, just because. Even years after they died, everybody wanted to rap like them. Still, mm. people were still biting their verses. People were still using their flows. So it might be one of those two. But I think it's more people that were kind of steering the culture that were bringing people through. So Puffy and Dr. Dre and Jay Z yeah. and people like that. But isn't that like a, isn't that almost like a different thing? Because I would it's agree a, with you that yeah. in terms of like influence, like it's kind of like moguls. Yeah. Then that isn't, and what you said there, I kind of str- yeah. struggle with that. I mean, you maybe want to put like a Russell Simmons in there. 
yes. like what he did with yes. like Run DMC and, and Def, kind Jam, of Def yeah. Jam and the early so I think that's almost a separate thing a separate kind of thing yeah. but this is what I mean is like when people are like oh who's the, the five best MCs I'm like right well what do you mean by that though yeah. I think favourites is more important favourites yeah. is more important which, not more important but it's just more fun it's a lot more fun and it's a lot more interesting because you get a lot more like interesting answers which yeah. actually is a nice segue because I've been looking for an idea of like you know, people ask for reviews, right? Yeah. And I was thinking, well, there's like loads of different ways to make it a bit more interesting. Yeah. And also a good way to interact with the pod. So yeah. what I want people to do is, I want you to give us five stars for five rappers. I want to know people's top five. Favourites. Their favourites. Not the best. Yeah, their Your personal favourites. So give us a lovely five stars. And then just put one to five, your favourite, your top five favourite rappers. Yes. I want to interact with you. I want to know who it is. And I will read them out so we can hear people's yes. top fives. And we can either agree with you and say, yep, yeah, nice choice. Or absolutely mug you off and rip you to shreds. Yeah. Can we talk about guilty pleasures now? Yes. So it's next on my list. Go on in. Uh, we have a question Ask from question. BC The Grand Slam. Uh, Cal Kader himself. Have you discussed rap guilty pleasures on the pod before? Like rappers who most think are shit, but you secretly love. <laughs> and I was like, no, we haven't, but fucking hell, let's do it when you're in. Um, and I feel like this was such a loaded question. I feel like you've got a list, like, and you're like tucked away in a little drawer. Like, you pull it out if it's, or a separate iPod that you've got at home. And you're like, this I is just for my guilty pleasures. I do have a guilty ple- pleasures playlist, but Bang. it's not rap at all. Okay. It is like Backstreet Boys, Ed Sheeran. It's like, like last Saturday, I was in a really good mood and I was in a cheesy pop music mood. And I just wanted to listen to just like Backstreet Boys and just, <laughs> just stuff that makes shit, yeah. me happy. Like, but in terms of like rap guilty pleasures, uh, it's quite easy. So in terms of um, old rap, it's, it's, do you know what? It's going to be really cheesy. It's puffy. Yeah, mate, I'm like, with you on that. It's puffy. Like No Way Out, I, I destroyed that album. I absolutely rinsed it. I listened to it all the no way out and forever. I used to listen to those two albums all the time. Man, Satisfy you is one of my like when I yeah. was growing up. That was like one of my absolute favorite. I yeah. know all the words to that. Yeah, it's like like well, it's got the R Kelly hook on it, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, which is now why no one could play it. But yeah, like I keep <laughs> promising shame. the girls at work that we're gonna have an R Kelly day and nice. we're just gonna listen to R Kelly all day and then we'll never listen to him again. Yeah, I man, that's fine. Get purge. it out of our system. Yeah, purge it. Just purge it. Get yeah. it out of our system. Happy people all day long. Oh. I know. I know. Honey, I know. love me. I'm starting to like really like that whole debate about the man versus the art. It's yeah. something I've always struggled with, and it's something I think I always will. So, do we just separate the art? I don't think you can, but I really, really struggle with it. But back to rap guilty pleasure. Sorry, yeah. Um, Puffy. Yeah, uh, like Puffy is like yeah, I love Puffy. Like I loved everything he did, everything Bad Boy did. Like, yeah. I loved it, like everything. And currently, it's his son, King Combs. <laughs> like he just makes like cool songs, man. Like he just makes like not everything he does is cool. He sounds like Mace. And he yeah. raps about money too much. And it's like, you've been giving it all by your dad. Yeah, exactly. Your money, it's, it's your cheating, dad's money. Yeah. Like, it's a, at least Puffy, when he was rapping about money, it was his money that he yeah. earned. Like, I, I respected him for his hustle. But you're just talking about your dad's money. But I still like him. Like, he's just cool. Like, he's made, like, a few good songs. Like, I like King Combs. Like, those are, like, the two that really leap out. Puffy and his son. Well, do you know what, mate? I'm glad you said that because one of the things I really want to do, and we spoke about it last time we were together over a few drinks, was like I want to, as some of the episodes, rather than like uh, focus on an album, mm. is we're going to focus on some of the dynasties of hip-hop. So yes. some of the record labels. So I want to do a Death Row special. I want to do Bad Boy. I want to do all these like kind of like moments in time so we can kind of like talk about not just 
like one album and one artist. We can talk yeah. about multiple artists and like timelines and stuff. So, um, will you come back and do that. Yes, I'll do Bad Boy. I'll do Bad Boy. Yeah. Yes. I need a chain then, don't I? <laughs> Mate, exactly. Got to buy one now. Mate, I think we both need to buy a bad yes, boy chain. Yes, we do. Because we need photos of that shit, because that, yes. that is life. Uh, what else have we been asked? We have been asked, uh, Crate 808. Have you listened to Crate 808 yet? No, I have not. If you haven't listened, do you listen to this? Go and listen to that, because you'll love it. Yes. It's basically, uh, the idea is that Crate 808 is somewhere that you're going to put like, the it's greatest It's like Room 101, albums, isn't it? But the other way around. So it's yeah. like, you, basically, they have three albums, and they argue to toss over it, and one of them gets to go in Crate 808 to yeah. be like, persevered for life. Right. So it's one's great. not getting binned, one's getting saved. Exactly. Right, I like it. Yeah, and it's it's brilliant. And the guys like know their shit, and Cam, yeah. who hosts it, uh, it's so knowledgeable like I massive know, I'm listen to so it's, it's really good so check it out they're a friend of the show so make sure you check it out yes. um, he's asked us if you could hear the game collab with one producer from this decade who are you going with obviously you can't use Dre <sighs> Mad Lib mm, that would be nice although I, like, I can't imagine it but I kind of feel like that's yeah. a good thing I'm going to go Mad Lib yeah. Yeah, that's my answer. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm alright with that. I'll, I'll back yeah. you up with that. I think that's a good one. Oh. Um, he also asked us if you could be the game for a day, what would you do? Um, I remember he took that picture on Instagram and it was just him holding his massive willy. And I'd probably just look at my willy a lot. And yeah. what would I do if I was game? Um, I'd go and hang out with Black Rob and Loon in the studio. <laughs> Make a new beat. Make a new beat with them. That's what like, I would do. I would finish the album, but me, my lyrics. And I'd be like bigging up Notorious P.O.D. on like every... Yes. You know, like you're doing shout outs. Yes. It'd be like, yeah, Cal Qaeda and like Big John. Yeah, yeah fuck. Yeah. Like every lyric would just yeah. be about that. Yeah. I would, yeah. I would hang out with all those cool rapper guys that we all want to hang out with. Yeah. I'd, I'd call Lloyd... I would call Lloyd Banks. Yeah. Because I love Lloyd Banks. I'd call him and he's, he's such a quiet guy. You never hear from him. Smoke weed with Snoop. I smoke, yep. I'd hang out with Lloyd Banks. I'd hang out with all those cool people that he gets to hang out with. Yeah. And yeah. I, I definitely like just, I, you know, he's he's a sort of guy that can just put on some like, uh, like just a white vest, some like jorts, some mm. Air Force Ones, loads of like jewelry mm. and ride around in a low rider, like just blazing out tunes. Mm. That is all I've ever wanted to do in mm. my life. Mm. So I would do that for most of the day. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think we've covered it. Yeah, I think we have covered it. Hang out with cool people and yeah. do cool shit. Do cool shit. Well, that has very neatly brought us to the end of this episode, mate. Been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely, man. Um, Flies by. It does, doesn't it? When you're talking hip-hop, like, there's just so much to talk about and it's kind of like, especially where we're looking back on stuff, you kind of remember things and like go off on tangents as part of the, like, the joy of doing know, this part. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's just so fun, mate. I love it. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we're doing this new uh, thing. It's kind of like calling it Five for Five. Give us five stars. Give us your five yes. favorite rappers. Yes. Um, please rate and review us because it does help us. Um, make sure you're getting involved. Questions have been great this week, so thanks very much for everyone sending in the questions. Um, mate, tell us very quickly about Below the Belt. So Below the Belt is a podcast and it is in association with Boxing Monthly Magazine, which is the best, I'm, I'm biased, but it is. It is the best yeah. boxing magazine in the world. Uh, we're in association with them. They're so supportive to us. Um, we used to be like kind of monthly, but we are putting out. I was going to say, now. mate, we are putting out stuff all the time. I just kind of decided I wasn't having this seven-week malarkey yeah. anymore. We're doing <laughs> it stuff all the time. What's been really good is Flav from the Fighting Cockers. Yeah, he's got. We we jump on Skype 
and he's got so much stuff to talk about. He can make a podcast with a bag of dirty laundry and it'd be good. Yeah. Like he can make a podcast with anybody. Yeah. Um, and so he makes me sound good. And it's just, <laughs> and it's just, yeah. So I've got T, I've got Alex from Bristol, who's a much better host than me. And, you know, uh, and then Flav. And then I've got the guys from Boxing Monthly who have forgotten more than I know. We get interviews from time to time. We've got good contacts where we can get interviews. But it's mostly just me, Alex and T standing around the table at my house talking about the fights. And we try our best to not be too technical and try and explain what we're talking about because boxing's a confusing sport. Yeah. There's so many world championships. There's so many weight divisions. We do our best to explain. Um, we try to make it, you know, as idiot friendly as possible or casual friendly as possible yeah. because it's it's a confusing sport. And that's one of the things I think that you do really well. And for people that are thinking like, oh, I, I quite like boxing. Or, you know, I kind of like watching the big fights. Yeah. Uh, and for me personally, when there's a big fight on in the run up to it, I like to kind of just like consume a bit of content to get a bit of background, a bit yeah. of color. And then when the fight's over, the same thing, I like to just kind of hear what's going on. And then I'll maybe dip out of it for a yeah. while, right? I think what Below the Belt does really well is people that literally live and breathe the sport will love the podcast. Yeah. But I like, listen to it and don't go, oh, should have been listening to this for weeks. Yeah. Um, it, it gives you enough of an insight on particular fights. That being said, listen to it every week. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, if, if you're kind of a kind of entry level boxing, if you're a casual like me, yeah. you will get a lot out of it. So definitely give it a listen for Thank sure. Thank you so much. And um, where can people find it, follow it? We do, we're everywhere. Like, so uh, on Twitter, we are Below the Belt underscore. On Instagram, we're Below the Belt Pod. On Facebook, we're BTB. Uh, we're Facebook.com slash BTB Pod. Um, and then you'll find our podcast on Apple, on Spotify, on uh, SoundCloud, everywhere. We're the one with the blue blue boxing glove. Yeah. BTB scribbled on it. So get subscribed, people. Thank Do you so it much. ASAP, Rocky. Um, thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate it. We're now partnered with Kiki, which is why hopefully this sounds much better than normal. Yeah. This is like proper. We're like sitting on sofas and shit. Sitting on sofas. Oh, would you like a coffee, Mr. Bass? Would yeah. you like a drink? Like, yeah, they offered us like water and stuff. Yeah. It's really nice, isn't it? Yeah. Like lovely, comfortable Like sofa. when I saw you last time, you just slung the running order at me and said, sit yeah. down, let's get on with this. Yeah, when you've got Harry Bows, let's open well, them up. Open, I do actually have Harry Bows. Yeah, I know. You always, you always come prepared. I, I like always it. come prepared, man. Um, but look, thanks very much. Um, if you're not following us already, uh, follow us on at NotoriousP underscore O underscore D, Instagram at the NotoriousPOD. Uh, you can follow me at the real John Bass, J O N B A W S. Um, like I said, leave us our five for five, your favorite MCs. I want to know who they are, and we will give you shout outs on the next episode. Not best favorite. Yeah, your favourite rappers, top five, please. Yes. Um, and we will see you soon. Also, got a special coming out soon, mate. Ooh. About Rock Nation. <gasps> I interviewed a guy, he reached out to me, and he used to work for Rock Nation, he used to work for some very prominent artists there as well. Mm. Uh, some of his stories are mad, cuz. Really so good. So have you done it already? Recorded, recorded already, just neatening up a few little extra bits. going to be like a little special bonus episode. I really want a Rock Nation hat. Yeah, That's I want... so expensive. Oh, mate, I want Rock Nation everything. I love their stuff. Yeah. It's great. Um, so thank you very much. We will see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace. This is Notorious P.O.D. The name's John Bass on this M.I.C. I brought a couple man alongside of me. I got Gary Roy Smith in the place to boot. We got murder stats and guests galore You know we're talking real hip-hop folklore And we're gonna cover all the goddamn classics Notorious P.O.D. We're gonna smash it Peace!